With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting TrueGreen.com summer or call 877-629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True Green. Green today. Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, another live show that we've got for you tonight on LFC Day Trippers. Tonight we're previewing the Liverpool versus Manchester City game this coming Sunday at Anfield. So joining me once again for the red side of things, we have Jay Riley. You can get Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show every week and now regular with us on the cop table, so how are you doing, Jay? Evening, Peter. Evening, Joe. Um, yeah, you know, obviously looking forward to this game on Sunday. It's a massive game, isn't it, against the two best teams in the Premier League, and, you know, hopefully it won't disappoint. Yeah, one we're all uh, looking forward to immensely. And as uh, Jay pointed out there, we have Joe Doherty with us. Joe's uh, our regular Manchester City guest. He's been doing the cop table with us for about, I don't know, about three or four seasons now, isn't it, Joe? Um, so, good to have you back on, Joe. Off, yeah, it's good, good to be back on. Thanks, Pete. Mace is still having me. <laughs> no, no, everything's good. Uh, everything's good in your... In your area there, Joe, always a good guest for us, so looking forward to the show tonight. So we're going to start off this evening by talking about the previous fixtures of both Liverpool and Manchester City. So starting off with uh, with yourself, Jay, going to look back at uh, Liverpool's last Premier League game, which was Aston Villa last Saturday. We, we left it pretty late, didn't we? And wasn't the best performance that, that we've put in by by a long shot and um, left it till the 87th minute week as and then we got the injury time winner didn't we from from Sadio Mane but just give us your your thoughts on the on the performance and and the game as a whole please Jay. Well yeah going into the game I think the the main talking point was whether or not Fabinho was going to start the game because he was one yellow card away from missing this Manchester City game so it was a dilemma for Klopp and to be honest in the build up to the game I just thought he would have started him in the sense that you know you couldn't really take Aston Villa 
lightly, you know, because it's any any Premier League, any, any game in the Premier League's never easy, and especially going away from home, you know, a newly promoted side like Aston Villa, who've done okay this season, and I just thought it was you were the starter for Benio, and just hoped that he, he he didn't pick up a booking, but he decided to leave him out and. You know, up to the 87th minute, it wasn't looking a wise move, really, was it? Because we were behind in the game, but I don't think you would have really been able to label the fact that Fabinho never started in that game as, you know, the the main reason why Liverpool struggled for such a long, you know, long periods in the game to, to you know, obviously get level terms and, and win the game. But I just thought that, you know, it was a big, big um, decision that Klopp made. And, you know, it was great that, you know, in the end we got the three points. But I just thought Liverpool, it always had a potential banana skin written all over it for me. And I just thought Liverpool struggled a little bit in the first half. It wasn't a great game. But, you know, that said, their goal was from a set piece where Liverpool just can't seem to keep clean sheets at the minute, can they? And, you know, it was from a set piece and he went 1-0 up. And Liverpool should really have been level because, for me, you know, his goal was onside. I mean, in, in, to the naked eye, it looked like he was offside. But when you look at the VAR footage, he's actually onside. And, you know, there was all the uproar, wasn't he, about Martin Atkinson and, you know, making that decision. And, you know, it, it's clear to see. I mean, you've looked at the evidence on it and, and Chris Kamara done it on, on Soccer AM, didn't he, where, you know, he, on, where he analysed all of the situation of what happened. And it just, to me, it, it, it stinks really. And, the justification that they've come out with saying that his armpit was offside is just an absolute nonsense, isn't it? You know, everyone knows that that should have, yeah. that should have stood and Liverpool should have been on level terms before half time. And we improved a lot in the second half. And, you know, the irony of it was, you know, Adam Lalana at the start of the season, there was all the talk that he played in the number six role at times this season. And, you know, people, it was raised eyebrows really because, yeah, he's, he's a good footballer. He's good on the ball, but, you wouldn't imagine him to be the type of player that'll get stuck in and win in back possession and break play up. But if you'd analyse his performance at Phillip Park, he was absolutely superb, really. He was brilliant and we didn't miss for Fabinho at all. And that's what I was trying to get at before, where if Liverpool would have went on to the drop points in that game, no one could have really have said, oh, it's because Fabinho was left out the side because Lalana was arguably, well, in fact, there's no argument about it. He was, he was certainly Liverpool's best midfield player on the day. Um, he performed really well and nearly capped it off for a goal towards the end. He was then taken off and Liverpool were chasing the game and you did think a goal was coming. I mean, Liverpool, I think we had 74% possession in the game, 25 shots to Villa's six, something like that. So, so you know, no one can really say that Liverpool didn't deserve something from the game, even arguably win the game. I know it looks like oh, they've been very fortunate because, you know, an 87th minute equaliser and a 94th minute winner. But, you know, the grand, you know, if you analyse the whole of the game, Liverpool were, were definitely the better side. And, you know, it was fantastic, really, the goal that came. You know, the equaliser, Andy Robertson, superb ball by, by Sadio Mane, who he had a little bit of an in-and-out game, didn't he? I mean, he got booked for a, for a dive, which I still, I don't think it was, you know, he didn't dive for me. I think he made a meal of it, of course he did. But there's still contact there. I mean, there's, there's been talk about Mane's, you know, this season, three, three potential dives, but every single one of them has been contact. And to me, you know, if there's contact there, then if you're a forward player, you're entitled to go down. The only thing I will say, the criticism I would say of Mane is he's made a meal of every single challenge, but to me, I, I do think two of them were penalties. 
the one against Aston Villa, I wouldn't have said a penalty, but you know, it's not really a dive for me because there's certainly contact there. It was a little bit innocuous. It was a bit like the incident on Michael Keane on uh, the Irish boy Connolly when, when Everton played against Brighton the other week. And it was just more clumsy than anything else. And that, for me, that wasn't a penalty, even though it was given. The one on Sadio Mane wasn't a penalty, but to be honest, I think he was very harsh to book him. Um, but, you know, as I say, he missed a good chance in the first half as well, but he certainly redeemed himself with a fantastic ball over for Andy Robertson to equalise. And then right at the end, you know, you, you think we've dropped points, you're hearing the news filtering through that Manchester City had come from behind to win 2-1 against Southampton. Sent Alexander Arnold drops in a, a corner and there's Sadio Mani glancing at a very brave and you know fantastic three points for Liverpool and we go marching on and we're six points clear still going into this game. Yeah, brilliant. Cheers, Jay, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the influence that our, our full-backs are having on on this uh, on this Liverpool team a little bit um, further on in the show. But we're going to go over to yourself uh, now, Joe, and just give us your thoughts on the game um, from the the previous weekend against Southampton, please. Obviously, it was one 0 for for a very long time, pretty much like the the Liverpool and, and Aston Villa game. But um, by all accounts, City had. Uh, Enough chances to win a couple of games there, didn't he? So, just give us your thoughts on the on the game as a whole and the performance from Manchester City in that fixture, please, Joe. Well, it was quite similar to yourselves. Obviously, you go behind pretty early on. Uh, it was a really bad goal we conceded. Nine times out of ten, Edison's not not dropping that ball and gifting them the chance. So it was a very frustrating goal to concede. Um, second half, we had a lot of chances and played pretty well. And you always felt like the goal was coming, even though both the goals we scored were pretty scrappy. First off, I don't think we did. To be honest, you know, our first goal was our first shot on target that game. Their keeper did not have to make a lot of saves. So it wasn't like, it wasn't as relentless as the possession stats may have made it sound. But I think what you can say for both of us was, was neither of us played that well at the weekend. It's, they're both games that we could have slipped up in, but we both managed to pull through and get the wins. And it's a, but it was a huge win for us. And leaving the ground, um, you know, there was a great sense of relief around the stadium, which going into the game, I didn't think I'd be coming out feeling, obviously with the way Southampton got on in their previous match. But no, to be fair to them, they made it hard for us. I thought they gave a masterclass in how to defend. And um, yeah, and then, but it was a very important win. By the way, Atlanta have just equalised. Yeah, just one or two comments coming through into the chat room as well there, Joe, that uh, Edison has been replaced yeah, at yeah, half-time. Is that, is that um, tactical right, yeah. or is it any news on that? Know. I haven't got the commentary on, so I'm not sure if it's an injury. or. Right. I assume it's a... What I'm, hope, what I'm realistically hoping for is that it's a slight knock and we just don't want to risk him for the weekend. Oh, that's awful, defending that for that goal. <laughs> right, OK, then... Um, Jay, just going to talk to you a little bit about the about the fullbacks at Liverpool and and the influence that they're having on this this Liverpool team at the moment. Obviously, when you was reviewing the the Aston Villa game, then you mentioned that Andy Robertson got the equaliser, and it was um, it was Trent that provided the assist for for Sadio Mane. So, do you think that the the influence of of Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson is, is becoming more important than having a, a creative midfielder in there, if you like. Is, is Klopp happy to have these three work 
been like midfielders, if you like them, um, and having the creativity from coming out wide with Robertson and, and Trent? Well, I don't think that's anything new. That's been the case for around about 18 months now, hasn't it? Because you look back to the whole of last season, the amount of assists that Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold provided for Liverpool in the Premier League and also the Champions League, they have been our most creative source, and that's what Liverpool, where Liverpool, the, the channels that Liverpool look to for the creativity, really, and you know, Jürgen Klopp in the big games, that's what he likes, that's what he tends to go with. He likes the, the trio in midfield who are all working on like and, you know, Henderson and Wijnaldum and, and Fabinho as well. He, he fill in when, when Trent goes forward or Andy Robertson goes forward and he stretch the, he stretch the, the, the midfield area and like drop in. So when you analyse it, that's, that's the way Liverpool have been for, it's not this season, it's nothing new, it's been like that all the last season as well. Um, and it's interesting that when we played Manchester United, I mean, when we played Man United, Solskjaer or was it Alex Ferguson? I mean, I personally think he was, he had a massive input in that game in the tactics because we all know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a PE teacher. He's not a very good manager at all. He's out of his depth. He's tactically inept. And I think Alex Ferguson had a massive input in that game. It was clear to see that he was at the training ground the week leading up to that game and all the mind games started as well. And obviously, like to me, I think he, he played a part in that team selection in how to stop Liverpool's fullbacks getting forwards in the, in the, in terms of the system and the shape that they used that day. And they're the only team that have really done it to us, aren't they? I mean, Sheffield United, we had a few issues with as well getting to grips with their system of playing three centre-halves and their full-backs pushing on, which was similar to what United done against us. And if you remember back to that game, it took a very fortuitous uh, Genie Van Alden goal midway through the second half that went right through the goalkeeper's legs, really. It was it was a goalkeeper howler. And that was a game where we could have certainly have dropped points as well. Um, but when you're playing against lesser teams like that and I will say Man United are a lesser team because they are a mid-table team nowadays that's fair enough because they've got to sort of like try to stop Liverpool from playing and nullify our threats but when you're coming up against a team like Manchester City you know they're probably the only team in the Premier League that when Liverpool play against them they'll have more possession in the game of football than us because you know it's it's us and them against the rest of the league I mean I know you look at the table and Leicester are doing, they're having a fine season they've had a great start under Rodgers this season you also look at the fact that Chelsea have done really well they've had a bit of a revival under Lampard haven't they when he started the season like you know a little bit a little bit ropey at times conceding a lot of goals but they've gone on a really good run and they're up there in the top four and they've done really well the points tally that they've got but what you've got to analyse is Liverpool and Man City are by far and away the two best teams and I just simply can't see top teams like a City trying to stop that threat because they will back themselves in the sense that they will think that they've got as good if not better players than us to come to Anfield and they're not going to try and nullify our full-backs it's just not in their in, in their repertoire really to do that because they wouldn't sit back and do it I know last season Guardiola's tactics were a little bit different than ever before because he suffered a couple of items at Anfield hadn't he 3-0 in the Champions League and 4-3 in, in the Premier League game the season before so he did want to come with a little bit of a different idea but I think the onus this time around is Manchester City 
could really do with winning this game at Anfield. And, you know, they're not going to do that by just sitting back because it's just not in the, in, in the makeup to do that. They've got too many good players to try and stop Liverpool from playing, if you like. But, you know, Liverpool's full-backs are, are massively important. And I've, I've heard all the clamour for... Oxlade Chamberlain or Cater to maybe start at the weekend. And I'm not, I'm not totally against it. I mean, Oxlade Chamberlain's been fantastic. You know, he scored a couple of goals. I think he scored four in his last three games. But you have to get real. You have to look at the opposition. I mean, he scored two in Genk. He scored one against Genk again last night. He scored one against Arsenal in the Caribou Cup. The poor opposition. We're not, we haven't played anyone Genk like a really poor side. We all know that um, Arsenal was it was you know a makeshift team for us and a makeshift team for them. So you know you can't get too giddy about it. The only thing I will say with Oxley Chamberlain though, it's refreshing that we've got someone in midfield who will shoot, who will have shots at goal, who will try and create. He'll link with the forward players. He'll go past the, the the number nine if you like. And you know it is good to see. And we all know he's a quality player, but we also know that he suffered with injuries really bad and he was out the game for like 12 months or more it's been a long road to recovery and a game in this, of this magnitude against Manchester City I mean in the past he's played really well against City he scored in, in the both games at Anfield that I've just spoken about there he also nearly scored at the Etihad in the quarter-final of the Champions League as well that year so you know he does tend to do well against Man City but I just think he, he's more likely to be used off the bench with 20 minutes to go as an impact player rather than start the game because we all know the way Klopp is his, his philosophy and the way he likes to you know, play in the big games is to have a compact midfield, a workman like midfield, as you say, and that workman like midfield is tends to be Henderson, Fabinho, and Wijnaldum. So I'm pretty sure that's what he's going to go with on Sunday. But yeah, of course, you know, Liverpool have not really had a creative player since Philip Coutinho was sold to Barcelona, and you know, at times in certain games, Ox has played, at times in certain games, Kate has played, and Shakiri as well when he's been fit and available, but. I just think, you know, in the bigger games, he prefers that trio and, you know, we don't, it, it doesn't stop there because the Liverpool's creative spark is from the fullback. Definitely, yeah. Cheers, Jay. Okay, then what I've done, um, I've picked out four uh, individual battles for, uh, across the, both sides, should I say, across the pitch. And I'm going to start off with, with yourself, Joe, and give you the first one of um, Virgil van Dijk, more likely going to be up against Sergio Aguero. How do you see this uh, this battle panning out? Obviously, Virgil's got the size and the presence on him, and Aguero's going to be under his feet a little bit. So, what's what's your take on this individual battle, please, Joe? Well, it's obviously it's going to be it's there's probably no one in the world that would be tougher for Aguero to come up against this at the moment than Van Dijk. He's obviously in great form. He's got the lot that boy. He's got strength. He's got pace. He's a great tackler, but. I, I think, on the other hand, you've got to look at last season, and Aguero did have one hell of a game, more than, certainly in the game at the Etihad. Aguero had a hell of a game against Liverpool. You know, Van Dyke wasn't really to blame, but he, you know, Aguero played his part in a great game. And one of the things as well about Aguero is going into this game is, unlike quite a lot of the rest of the players, he'll be fresh, because obviously he's not playing tonight, and if he does, it won't be more than about half an hour. So, um, no, obviously Aguero won't come up against many tougher players than Van Dyke, but obviously, equally, you got to look at it the other way. Van Dyke's had a great season, but a lot of the strikers he come up against, I don't think they're really up to much. You question what they do against a lot of the other big sides. 
Sergio Aguero, he's not got a great record at Anfield, but maybe this is the year that he uh, changes that and Van Dijk will have his, his hands full with him. Yeah, fingers crossed that uh, Virgil will have his, uh, his usual game and hopefully uh, keep uh, Sergio Aguero quiet for this one. So, yeah, Jay, just looking at another midfield battle we'll go to now, I've got... Um, the possibility of De Bruyne lining up um, in the midfield for Manchester City coming up against possibly if Wijnaldum's on that left-hand side of midfield against him. So De Bruyne versus Wijnaldum, how do you see this uh, individual battle panning out, please, Jay? Well, Kevin De Bruyne is absolutely sensational footballer. I mean, we, we know how good Sadio Mane's been this season, but De Bruyne's last season he missed him. He, he missed a large portion of the season, well, virtually all of the season, to be honest. And this season already, he's got an incredible amount of assists. Um, he is their main creative spark. I mean, I know they've got David Silver and Bernardo Silver as well. And obviously, Sterling and Aguero, Jesus scored the goals, but Sterling can create as well. But Kevin De Bruyne is the main man and he's a special footballer and you know obviously it's going to be tough because you'd expect them to create one or two chances at the weekend and it's whether or not they, they can put the chances away and it's going to be a, a tough battle because Wijnaldum as we know he's one of them players where I mean I personally I quite like him because he, he's high energy levels gets around the pitch really well well balanced footballer left right you know he twists turns but he does have a tendency at times to go missing in games not normally at Anfield, he's normally really good at Anfield, but it's the away games that he tends to go missing in, so I'm just hoping that he does turn up at the weekend um, against against Manchester City and of course, you know, De Bruyne because he's going to have a, a massive role a massive part to play in Liverpool trying to win the ball back off City when they're in possession, so, you know, it's going to be important for Wijnaldum to be really on it on Sunday, but it's an intriguing battle and, you know, if Liverpool, if Wijnaldum can have a, can have a good game and sort of like nullify the threat of, of De Bruyne then you know, it would go a long way for Liverpool getting the three points. Yeah, De Bruyne playing in like a, a sort of similar to position as what Trent is, isn't he? He's their main provider with, with his balls into the box and his three balls, pretty much what, what Trent does for us. So yeah, hopefully Genie can um, try and nullify the threat to to, um, to Liverpool that De Bruyne will cause, as you say, Jay. So Joe, just picked out another one. I've got uh, Roberto Firmino Possibly up against John Stones, um, who's likely to start in in defence. Um, first of all, is that correct? Stones is likely to be in the in the centre back position for yourselves. And um, secondly, how do you see this uh, this battle between the, this pair um, going, please, Joe? Well, yeah, um, I think it'll be Stones and Fernandinho. Um, it's uh, Fernandinho and Otamendi tonight at the back. Uh, to be honest, I. I hate to say it, but I'm very worried about what you could do to our back four at the minute. It's very makeshift. We're missing the only centre-back, I think, is... I do like John Stones. He has some good games, but he has some really ropey ones as well. The only centre-back we've got who I really rate is um, is Laporte, and obviously he's not playing. So, no, I'm I'm pretty worried about, especially what Firmino can do, because what Firmino is very good at is dropping back and bringing the centre-backs out, and that's where Stones makes a lot of his errors for me. So, yeah, no, I think um, we'll have our hands full with him, and that's the area of the pitch I'm most worried about, to be honest, what you can do to our centre-backs. Yeah, so um, just before we go over to to the next one with with Jay, what what is the situation with, with the with the Manchester City injuries? Is 
is it likely that Silva and Rodri are going to miss out in this game? Do you think, or is it, is Pep playing sort of mind games by, by putting him out on the training pitch and um, trying to say fall, uh, throw Liverpool into a false sense of security, if you like, with with, um, with Rodri not taking part in the, in the session? Well, what's going on here with, with Guardiola and the and the injury situations? Who do you see starting, and who do you see actually missing out from the ones who are, are currently injured? Well, I think Rodri, it would just be too soon and it would be stupid to rush him back because obviously Liverpool play a very high energy game. So the risk of injury is quite high. David Silva's supposed to be out. And to be brutally honest, and I hate saying this because I love David Silva. He's been one of my favourite players ever to pull on the blue shirt and all that. But he does slow the game down quite a lot. And he's not who I would play away at Liverpool. I'd play Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne in the middle. And I'd play Sterling and Mares out on the wings. So uh, David Silva's probably not be playing, which, to be brutally honest, and as I hate to say it, I think could be a blessing in disguise for us. And yeah, I can't see Rodri playing either. I imagine it'll be... Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Gundogan playing that number six role and he's quietly having quite a good season although I do again I do somewhat worry about him playing that role away at Anfield you know it's one thing doing it at home to Villa it's another thing doing it away at Liverpool yeah um, and just one more before I move on to the, to the next one with Jake Raheem Sterling he tends to play left hand side doesn't he when, he when he's playing for Manchester City but I've seen and when he's against Liverpool, operating on that right-hand side, which side of the pitch is he likely to be on um, at the weekend, job? I think he'll be playing on the left purely because we're, we're quite limited at the moment. I mean, if Sane was fit, obviously I'd, I'd go him and Sterling, but I think at the moment it's going to be Sterling on the left and Riyad Mahrez playing on the right. And to be fair to Riyad Mahrez, he took a lot of stick last season, but this year he's, he's made a very good start and he's already got a goal on Merseyside this year as well with the free kick he scored against Everton. And obviously he's really got a point to prove in this fixture, especially after what happened last season. OK, yeah, so with that in mind, Jay, likelihood is that Raheem Sterling starts on the the left-hand side for Manchester City, meaning he's going to come up against uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who, who they'll both know each other very well from, from playing with England, possibly when um, Sterling may have come up against... Trent, as a youngster, when he, he was with Liverpool, I'm not too sure on, on the age difference, but I'm, I'm sure they do know a lot about each other. So how do you see this battle on the on the left-hand side for City and Liverpool's right going with uh, Sterling and Trent Alexander-Arnold, please, Jay? Well, yeah, it's going to be intriguing because, you know, obviously, as we've spoken about before, about which Liverpool's source of supply is normally from Trent Alexander-Arnold in the right-back area and also Andy Roberts in the left-back area. So, you know, we all know Trent's fantastic going forwards. I think it was Jamie Carragher said, didn't he, that it's like having Kevin De Bruyne at right-back. And that is true because he's been superb this season, he really has. But the one thing about Trent that I will say, and, and it's still it's the age-old problem, isn't it, with him? He's not great going the other way. He's not a, he's not a fantastic defender and teams do tend to target Liverpool down that side and Raheem Sterling again he's been brilliant hasn't he last season he's started off this season fantastically well 
you know, it's going to be it's going to be massive, isn't it? Because that's where they will try and target Liverpool. So it might pen Trent back a little bit. But then the flip side to that is because Trent likes to get forwards, Raheem Sterling might have to go the other way at times as well. And is he going to be good at doing like the defensive duties to back up? Probably likely to be Mendy, who, to be honest, is another one that tends to get forwards. I think with Mendy, he's, he's had a lot of injury problems, hasn't he, since he's been at City. But what I can remember of seeing him playing when well, he's played a few times is he's, he's also not a great defender. He just likes to get forward and bomb, but goes forward too often. So, you know, Liverpool can exploit that the same way as they could probably exploit Trent. So it's going to be an intriguing battle. And, um, you know, it's, it's, as I say, it's one of them situations where, you know, Liverpool, with the way Trent is, you, do, you don't want him to go out there with a negative approach, do you, and sit back too much because he is going to be one of our main suppliers on the, on the day. So, you know, it's, it is a massive battle, really. But they can't switch it, can't they? Because Sterling at times may go on to the right-hand side and it depends who they start. I mean, they might start Bernardo Silva in the middle of the park and, as Joe said there, Mares might start or it could be Bernardo Silva in a more forwards. Area, so it's going to be interesting, and you know, there's key battles all over the pitch, really, isn't he? And you know, Raheem Sterling tends to bottle it at Anfield, he's never really turned up at Anfield before, he's even admitted that himself when he's spoken about it in interviews. So it's probably about time that he does turn up, really, isn't it? And like I say, because he's in such good form, I mean, he scored again tonight, hasn't he, in the Champions League? I think he got a hat trick against Atalanta as well in the in the game previous to that. So he's been scoring goals for fun. So this is the acid test for him now, coming back to the club that you know he, he left to, to join Manchester City in a place where he, he hasn't really played very well at times when he's returned. He's returned here, so we'll see what he's got on Sunday. Yeah, and just before we um, we do our, our our score predictions and what have you, Jay, I'd just like to get your thoughts on the performance of uh, Mohamed Salah last night in the in the Champions League game. Um, I thought he seems to me like he, he's coming back into a little bit of form. Um, shooting was was a little bit off, wasn't it? Again, but he, he just seems to he he keeps plugging away, doesn't he? Obviously, he's carrying this little bit of an injury, but it just seems to me that he it's. It's looking a bit ominous now that he's he's starting to hit them them sort of heights with his with his touch and his movements and and things like that to what he has done the previous couple of seasons. So what what was your thoughts on um, on Mo's performance last night, Jay? Uh, it's a difficult one with Salah because I personally don't think he's he's having the best of seasons in terms of his all round performances, but. I think he scored nine goals and got six assists this season in all competitions. And it's quite impressive, isn't it, really, when you think about it? I mean, how many games have we had? 17, is it, this season? And he, he missed the Manchester United games and he's missed the, the both Caribou Cup games. So he's probably played in, what, 14 games and scored nine goals. You know, it's not a little bit too much. I don't know. It, it, it's a strange one. It, I think his goal... And is is the way he plays in the team sort of like being altered a little bit. I mean, he had that phase last season where he played as a centre forward, didn't he? And then obviously it didn't really work out. He did score some goals, but it, it just didn't really feel comfortable with his back to goal trying to sort of like lean into the centre half. So he was, he's better suited playing out wide and cutting in on his left foot, you know, from the right hand side. And I don't know, it, it's it's been a really really strange season from Salah for me. 
like I say, you can't argue with it with what he's given us in terms of he's got nine goals, he's got six assists, but his all round game is just something's missing. It just it just doesn't seem quite right to me. There was signs, I suppose, last night because he was invo- heavily involved in that game against Genk, and really probably would have been frustrated that he never got on the score sheet. Um, there is signs that he's getting back to the the most seller that we know, but. As you, as you rightly say, maybe it's the ankle injury that he suffered against Leicester and he ended up missing the game against Manchester United. And we all seen, didn't we, how much we, we get affected by him not being on the pitch. Whether or not he's in form or he's off form, out of form, shall I say, it's his presence on the pitch. Defenders are just terrified of him because, yes, yeah, sometimes his touch might not be there and sometimes he might, you know, his passing might not be great. But I think just as oh, his presence on the pitch, it terrifies defenders, and they just they play that little bit deeper, and you know what he's capable of. Moments of magic. I mean, I think away in Genk when we played against them in Belgium, I don't think he performed very well on the night, and then all of a sudden, bang, a fantastic assist for Sadio Mane to score, and then right at the end, a superb solo goal to make it four, well, four nil at the time. So it's one of them blink. And, and, you know, in the bat of an eyelid, he, he could turn the game on its head. And that's what he's, he's capable of. And he's done it time and time again. He's got quite a good record against City as well. He scored a couple of goals against them. You know, them games before that I spoke about at Anfield when we won 4-3 and we also won 3-0. He scored in both of them games. He also scored at the Etihad a lovely little dink. Um, to, to basically the equalising goal and that was the, the goal the crucial away goal that we needed that the Etihad to go through. So he has, like I said before about Oxlade-Chamberlain, he likes playing against Man City and he scores goals against them and do not be surprised on Sunday if, if Mo Salah turns up and he's the match winner. Yeah, fingers crossed Mo puts in uh, one of his uh, one of his star-studded performances this uh, Sunday against Manchester City. So, before I get on to the to the music that we've got for the for the live show this week, I'm going to get some thoughts on a on a score prediction. Um Joe, you can go first since we we've just um, been covering a few topics with Jay there, so give us your thoughts on a, a score prediction for the game Sunday and your your reasons behind that, please, Joe. I think we're going to win one 0 and I think Riyad Mahrez will score the penalty. No, I, I honestly think that um, I think that you'll probably beat us three one. To be honest, I think that um, it, we're not playing you at a good time. If there's any other time of the season, I'd be more confident. And obviously, you've I don't think you've been at your best in recent weeks. So we could take advantage of that. But to be honest, I just think the defence looks too ropey. Obviously, now it's looking like Edison might not play. Um, I don't know. We, we just never do it at Anfield, do we? I, just, uh, I know we've got to win and I'd, I'd bite your hand off it for a draw right now. And obviously that we could go there and do you. But honestly, I think you'll beat us 3-1, sadly. OK, fair Fair play, Joe, for your um, for your score prediction there. Yeah, obviously it's going to be a, a tough game for both sides. And um, Jay, what's your thoughts first of all um, on, on Joe's prediction, and then your your own prediction, please, Jay? Well, the, obviously Man City have not got a good record at Anfield at all. I think they've only beaten us once in in Premier League history at Anfield, and. As we spoke about there, last season he played a little bit differently and he, he ended up getting a nil-nil draw and he snatched it at the end with a penalty. Mahrez had scared it. Um, before that, he lost 4-3, he lost 3-0. Um, 
you know, it's just, obviously Joe goes the game and he's been to Anfield a few times and obviously witnessed City struggle. So that's obviously in his mind, isn't it, coming into this game? And I just think that Liverpool have kept three clean sheets all season in about 17, 18 games. It's incredible, really, when you think back to last season when Alisson got the golden glove, didn't he? He kept the most clean sheets, you know, in the season. And this season, I know he's been injured a little bit and Adrian was in goal for quite a lot of games, but we just haven't kept many clean sheets. And I think it's a little bit down to the fact that made a few errors leading to goals, but also we are playing a little bit different tactically in terms of playing a higher line the defence and I just don't think it's really suited us maybe in time when we get to grips with it it will work and at the moment it's just teething problems but we just we just conceding goals and it's it's unusual for Liverpool and we're not keeping many clean sheets but I've just got a little sticky feeling and I, and I know Manchester City are absolutely brilliant team full of goals that you know if there's one team that scores more goals than Liverpool it's Man City but I just got to, as I say, the last two times they've come to Anfield, they haven't scored. You know, we beat, it was nil nil last season, we beat them 3 nil in the Champions League game. Okay, fair enough, but just before that, it was the 4-3 game. But that 4-3 game flattered them, Liverpool were 4-1 up until about 10 minutes to go or even 5 minutes to go and they scored two late goals to sort of like flatter them, the scoreline really. They just don't seem to be able to do it at Anfield and I've just got a feeling there could be one of these games where Liverpool just we keep a clean sheet against them, I really do. I just got a feeling about it. I think this is the, the irony of it. Liverpool have not kept many clean sheets and just feel like we will do on Sunday against Man City. And, and as I said before, you asked me the question about Mo Salah and I've, I've just got it in my head that Salah's going to score as well. So I, I don't know. I think it, it's a massive game. Liverpool have got the opportunity to go nine points clear of City. And even at this early stage, that's huge. I mean, I know last season... I think we was was at seven clear going into the City game and they had the perfect opportunity then to go ten clear if we won. Um, and it wasn't to be. We lost the game 2-1. It turned on its head and we were only four, four ahead of them and then the rest history, they went on to win the league. And I just think this time around, even though that was January back then and this time now it's only November, I just think this Liverpool team is just an unbelievable well-oiled machine and I just can't see us dropping if if we go nine points clear on Sunday it'd be an absolute disaster if we ended up blowing it from there so it's massive it's massive in terms of the destination of the Premier League title this season for me and I just think with Liverpool we've had a lot tougher games than what Manchester City have had Liverpool have played Chelsea away Liverpool have played Man United the way Liverpool have been a home to Leicester, home to Arsenal, home to Tottenham. Manchester City have only played Tottenham at home. They've not played many of the big teams at all. They've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. And if Liverpool can go nine points clear, then we could we could really, really stretch this gap. We really could. And it's a massive, massive six pointer. And arguably you could say a draw's not bad for Liverpool because we'd still be six points clear. They've got massive games to come. But City really need to win this game. And, and bearing that in mind, that, that's why I'm trying to say it. I can't see them coming to Anfield and doing the job that they tried to do last season. Because last season, it was acceptable for them to do it. This time around, they've got to really win. It's 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 more important for them to win this game than Liverpool, if anything, which sounds mad because it's at Anfield. But because we've got a six-point point buffer on them as it is, Really, a draw is not the end of the world for Liverpool. But the way Liverpool are, the way Liverpool play, and because it's at Anfield, 
it's a game that we've got to go for. We've got to make sure we try and win the game. In my opinion, Liverpool don't know any other way. You know, a, a draw is it's not it's not in in Liverpool's mantra to be like that. It's a game at Anfield, and we believe every single game, whoever we play, wherever the opposition is, you only have to look at the Barcelona game last season in the semi final. Whoever comes to Anfield. We just want to win, and it's as simple as that. And we we go out to win. The draw is not going to be in our minds. And on on Sunday, we want to win this game. And if Liverpool go nine points clear, then that's a massive, massive ask for City to pull that back. It really is. And I just think it's a it's a very good time to be playing City. They've got injury issues. I mean, obviously Leroy Shani tends to do well against Liverpool. He scored against us the, the winning goal, the crucial goal last season at the Etihad. He also scored at Anfield as well in the fourth in the four three game. He's been a thorn in our side. He's a very good player. So we're missing massive to them. Laporte being out also massive because they've been very fortunate City since his injury because they've not really played anyone. So it's enabled them to play Fernandinho, a central midfield player at centre-half. So John Stones was out for about four to six weeks as well. So they have been lucky because they've not really played anyone because City are so good and they control most games of football against every team they play against. They've been able to, to take that risk and play a centre and midfield player at the back. Now, I'm wondering whether or not he'll still do it at Anfield against Liverpool because, I mean, it's a massive call if he does because they've not played anyone like Firmino. They've not played anyone like Salah and Mane. So coming up against Salah, Mane and Firmino is a different proposition to coming up against someone at Southampton or someone... Uh, I mean, I know Wolves beat them, but like Wolves forward players or, you know, the, the run of fixtures that they've had, Crystal Palace, you know, Jordan Ayew, you know, what was what was Roy Hodgson doing? He should have, play, he should have played Ben Teche, shouldn't he, for his aerial presence, but he didn't. But this is what I'm saying, you're coming up against a proper star-studded trio up front. So to me, I'd, I'm, I'd be surprised if he starts in there. You might have to play him in midfield, and if they do, then that would mean Otamendi centre-half with Stones and I'm, I'm sure that was the centre-half pair when Liverpool put four past them a couple of seasons ago. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the pairing. So again, there's no reason why Liverpool can't get at this Manchester City defence because, you know, as I said before, in the left-back position, Mendy, he's not a great defender. He's good going forwards, but he's not very good defensively. And I just think there's, Liverpool can really, really target City. And if Edison doesn't play, that would mean Bravo in goal as well. So they've got plenty of issues in the team. Rodri's back in training, but is he going to be fit enough to start the game? You know, it'd be a gamble because I don't think he's played, has he, for like, what is it, four, three or four weeks now? Um, so to be perfectly honest with you, there's no excuses. Liverpool should be the favourites going into this game. It's at Anfield, and I fully expect Liverpool to, to go and win the game on Sunday. Um, my prediction is, as I just said there before, I've got a feeling that Liverpool are going to keep a clean sheet. I really do. And I'll go for a 2-0 Liverpool win. 2-0 victory prediction for you there, Jay. Yeah, just before I do my own prediction, if anybody's been... Commenting in the in the chat room, I've not had any access to it, so apologies there, and uh, I will look back on it. And if there's anything that that pops out to me there, we can always uh, we can always cover it on the cop table Twitter page. You can send in your any questions there. But uh, apologies if you've been in the chat room tonight and uh, looking for some feedback. I've not had any access personally to that uh, chat room. And this evening, so yeah, my own thoughts on a, a score prediction for the the game at the weekend. Same as Joe, I'm going to go with a with a three-one Liverpool victory in this game. As I still think there is um, 
there's still one or two little issues there at the back for Liverpool with with Matip being out and um, coming up against one of one of the highest scoring teams in the league. I think they are the highest scorers, aren't they? So I just think the City will get a goal, but um, with with the problems that Manchester City's also got injury wise, as both of you lads have just covered. I think the the likes of Mane, Salah, and Firmino will have um, lots of space in this game with with City wanting to come out and try and play a little bit and and try and take the three points from us or at least take a take a point from the game. I think that we will have just a bit too much firepower and with the crowd behind us at Anfield and um, bus welcome all things like sorts of things like that going on and I just think it's it's gonna be an electric atmosphere and I'm gonna go with a with a three one victory for for the Reds in this game. So just before we uh, do our, our thanks at the end, I've got a, a song to play for you. It's been sent in to us by Black Star Jackals, who was uh, featured on the Cox Table last season. They are an alt rock indie band four piece uh, and they're making waves on the in the music scene all across the UK. You can catch them on all all major streaming platforms, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, and they're based in, in Scotland, uh, Glasgow, Scotland, yeah. So the song that I'm gonna be playing for you tonight is called Off the Table by Black Star Jackals. Is it off the table? What we came to do And let me bring it back Bring it back To you
So that track that we've just played there was called Off the Table from Glasgow-based band Black Star Jackals. So you can have a little look at their page if you if you like the track, if you like, like the music, go over there, have a, check them out. YouTube page as well. Very uh, very nice lads in the band, been in touch with us um, throughout the week and um, very keen for us to play their track. And yeah, we, we've uh, obliged them and uh, played their track. So, just before we uh, finish the podcast, just like to say a big thanks to uh, Jay and Joe, who have left the call now, but big thanks to them two guys for, for joining us on the podcast tonight. Uh, really enjoyed the show and two excellent guests as uh, as usual. I'd like to say a big thanks to the LSE Day Trippers for their work with the with the live broadcast and uh, all the work that they do behind the scenes for us. Big thanks to the uh, At Liverpool online, Facebook, Twitter, social media, pages that's uh, been on board with us as well and just uh, another one just to keep up to date with the no more knives campaign which is um, this is very very relevant at the moment there's still things um, happening with knife crime in the Merseyside area which which really needs to be addressed and the likes of Paul Bentley and Lee Butler are doing great things um, involving the community going in and out of prison and speaking to them and things like that it's it's so important to get this message over to to the youth of of uh, Merseyside that the carrying knives is is a big no-no and we want to try and eradicate this as much as we can so with the help of um, Paul Lee Butler ourselves we're all behind this this campaign and let's uh, let's see what we can do with it and hopefully um, we can we can make some progress in the future with it so thanks everybody for listening uh, we'll be back with our our preview podcast of the, the our next Premier League fixture um after the international break so thanks everybody for for listening like i say if you wasn't in, if you was in the chat room tonight apologies we will get to you um next time so thanks very much everybody for listening and uh goodbye this podcast is brought to you by progressive have you tried the name your price tool yet it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget it's easy to start a quote and you'll be able to find a rate that works for you it's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive. Get your quote today at Progressive.com and see why four out of five new auto customers recommend Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.